buffalo, 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 buffalo is a grammatically correct sentence in English that is often presented as an example of how homonyms and homophones can be used to com- to create complicated linguistic constructs through lexical ambigu- ambiguity. You're a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. That too. I need to get a new power cable for this um, audio thing, so I, I've figured out what the, the issue is. So there was some sound quality problems last week, and it is most certainly what the actual fuck. There's someone called Tull... <laughs> Right, it reads as Tolkienus, but I think it's Tolkien US, maybe. But look, they've just went through, it looks like, everything on our fucking Instagram. Oh, that's nice of and them. Yeah, but like the thing is, my watch is going mental. It sounds like I've left my butt plug on. Fucking hell. What was I even saying? Buffalo mozzarella. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. That cannot. When are we starting? Cannot think. I don't know. I normally just go back, clip out the bits of you being really racist, and then just start the episode from there. Got a nice episode. Uh, <laughs> well, we've got a nice episode today. We've also got a nice glass of red wine. Yes, How are you I do. That? Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm gonna do. Oh, a Malbec. I'm gonna do an ASMR. Oh, right, okay. you ready? Oh. Don't fanny fart. Does it sound good? It does. It sounded good up until you said, does it sound good? Huh? <laughs> right. Oh, dear me. Right. I've just poured like half the bottle into one glass. Yeah, has it been a rough day? <laughs> I'm tired. I'm really tired. I feel like when I don't have a manager, I uh, work harder. Yeah, Becca's manager resigned at work. And... Not a tear was shed. It was it was that low-key meme of... Oh, very sad. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just, we're just just very used to sort of doing our own thing, getting on with things, doing our job. We, mm. we don't need no manager. We don't, we don't. Anyway, right, let's see. Up top of the episode, hello, welcome back to A Drunk History of Middle-Earth, show where we take Tolkien to the tavern. We talk about Lord of the Rings, Middle-Earth, the Silmarillion... And we break down the concepts and stories to my dear wife, who has not heard of these things before. But we explain it in a way as if we're talking to a drunk person. So I'm going to say up top, follow us on Instagram at drunkhistorymiddleearthpod with underscores under each of them. You can find us. I searched a drunk history middle earth Insta the other day and it came up with like um, another podcast that was fucking raging. (gasps) I was like, oh fuck. Is there another one? No, well, there, w- there was um, one called Drunk Talk, which Ooh. I think was Irish, but I, they, they've not been active for a while. Ah. And it was before we started, but I didn't realise until after. But there's no, there's no Drunk History Middle Earth, like, that's just us. That comes up, so if you search Drunk Middle Earth or Drunk History Lord of the Rings, we come up for everything, except if you put Insta after it. Which is weird because Instagram's the only one that I use regularly because I post, well, obviously I post loads up, but I like posting reels. That's fun. Mm. It's like little bite-sized bits of content which people seem to really respond to. Do they like it because they actually genuinely like it or do they like it because they think it's comedy? Uh, I don't know because I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not a funny guy, but I don't tend to do a super amount of jokes in the reels. It's because you've got fucking 60, 90 seconds, whatever. And I'm normally trying to talk about Tolkien. Like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna dust off my Type Five and be like, hey, you know what the deal with airplane food is? You know, well, I mean, <laughs> that's not that's not really the place for it. So anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, already feel drunk. So <laughs> what is the episode about? Well, today we're going to discuss the Teleri Elves. Can you remember who they are? Are they the ones that went? And got a bit distracted and came back. They are very distracted elves. Yeah. They are distracted AF. They're the biggest group of elves. And there's, there's many, many, many people who come from these lads and lasses. They were the third group. Do you know are the, they horny? Well, funnily enough, you or should... just because of size no, of no, the no. group? Funnily enough, you should say this because um, this episode very, very nearly became... The Great Journey, just The Great Journey, because I fell down a massive rabbit hole with the nature of Middle-earth, because Tolkien wrote a lot about the numbers and the logistics of The Great Journey, 
Mm. And we'll, we'll go into that in a second. But yes, they were the third group of elves, and they were the, the they were the ones who Enel and his wife Enelia claimed. Do you know how like there was that story of the first the, the ones who become the Vanyar, Imin he wanted to wait, and then Tata was you know like Imin always wanted a bigger group, so he kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and then eventually he had the smallest group because he waited so long. Whereas Enel was the last one to pick. Yeah. And he got the biggest group, so he got the seventy-two pairs of elves that walk at Quivainen. As we, you know, if you want to learn more about that, go back to our uh, episode about the awakening of elves. I think it's like the sixth episode. That we feels did. like it was long millennia ago. ago. Well, this is our twenty-third episode. So whoa, yeah, it was only what meant to be one episode. Yeah, you keep saying that, but you keep showing up every week. So you've you've got the option to leave. I feel like I'm invested now. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like I'm in deep. Well, if, yeah, we're, we're on about doing a, a podcast about being parents as well, aren't you? Because, um, well, well, I, I, I think about, it would be very therapeutic. I, I do as well. As well as beneficial to people, because yeah, yeah, absolutely. People don't talk about the actual nitty gritty. Yeah, the the thing we uh, this is just a, an aside for anybody listening who's got kids. We we find that because we've got a very young child, that there's people who are our like closest friends who act like everything's okay all the time and it's not and it's so fucking damaging to do that when your child is screaming you haven't slept for days when you've, you've got postnatal depression post-natal, but you don't realize yeah, and like you, you, you're, you're coming over stuff from your own childhood and like oh your parents are a bit shitty and then you've got everyone's like oh no it's all fine da, 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 it's all and good. you think in that first week you think did i have the devil child <laughs> Yeah. Is this Melkor? <laughs> Are they just playing a different tune? Well, we've said this before, right? That Melkor gives off like big toddler vibes. Yeah. Especially when they get down to creating Arda and he's just wrecking everything that Alva yeah. is trying to do. But I no- couldn't even take a dump today without her trying to get on my knee <laughs> and like pretending she was the Andrex puppy running away with the toilet roll trailing behind her. Yeah. 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 We love it a bit. It's a hard life. <laughs> kids, kids, kids are hard. It's super rewarding. But we're not here to talk about kids. Well, we are. We're here to talk about the first children of Eru. The Teleri. Well, just the Eldar in general. So, they were the third group of elves. The biggest group of elves. And I am loving this part of the podcast. But we'll, we'll get into like the origins and the names and the language. Which, this is where I'm learning the most. So, like, events and that, I'm pretty, like, all fair with. Like, there's not many events or, or people that, like, I don't really know about or can't talk about at a high level. However, the language is where I'm really learning. But the original Teleri were known as the Neliar. And at some point in their history, like, so do you know when they first woke up that they started, like, naming things? Yeah. They called themselves the Lindar, which means singers, because they have very lovely voices. And the Teleri, as, as most people will know, known far and wide as the ones who love the sea. They're the sea elves. They're, they love fucking water. They love water. But because they were the biggest, a full one half of the Avari. Do you remember who the Avari were? A full one half. So, no, well, do you remember who the Avari were? Of the Avari. Are they the ones who didn't leave at all? Yes. They're the ones who said no. They were called the unwilling. So a full half. So one half of all the Avari <laughs> yeah. was made up of Teleri. And then all of the Nandor. And do you remember who the Nandor were? They were the ones who left? Come, they, they left and then came back? They were the ones who wouldn't cross the Misty Mountains. And they, they the Nandor means the ones who turned back. Okay. So they're the ones who got to the Misty Mountains and said, nah, you're all right, thank you. Okay. And then we'll, we'll get into it later, but some of the Nandor eventually ended up in Beleriand anyway. Phew, my brain. That's, yeah. that's all my brain power for the whole episode. Well, the thing is, like, my, my, my folly was that I thought they weren't as big of a group as they were. And we'll get into the numbers in a minute. And I was very surprised by how many elves there were. Like, you, you just tend to think there's, like, fucking 12 of them. But there's not. So, yeah, they made up half of the Avari. The other half being made up of... Uh, I don't think any of the Vanyar were. But half Noldor, half Teleri. 
and then they made up all of the Nando and the Nando we covered in our Morikwindi episode, same as the Avari. But the Teleri was such a big group that they had to have two leaders. Where one was Elwe, who later becomes Thingol and marries Meliander Maya, and the other one was Olwe. And language. Let's get into that. Oh no. Oh, yeah. I'm already confused. <laughs> Teleri is a plural of the word Teler, which means last. They were the last sisters. Now this is a story all about <laughs> how my life got flipped upside right. down and I'd like right. to take a minute just up. sit right there. I'll shut, tell you how I became up. the elf of Teler. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you fucking goober. So Teleri is the plural of Teler, which means last. They were the lasts. And then Nelia, Nelia, sorry, means the thirds. So Teleri means last and Nelia means third. So you're splitting hairs if there's only fucking three of you and you're saying, well, I didn't come last, I came third. Oh, with three people. It's like saying, I come first in sex and second in boxing. It's not as impressive as you're making it sound. Yeah, that, yeah. No, I always come first, that's sex. I'm competitive. <laughs> I don't have casual sex, I have ranked. Why do you sound nasally? I, I don't know, but um, last week you said, oh, you're ill. And then I lost my voice the next day. You just sound funny. You don't sound very excited. I, I am, I am, I am. I'm also very aware because of I'm monitoring our sound levels on this, that this microphone's very sensitive, so that might be it. So why don't I just turn myself down so I can get really fucking excited? Yeah, you just... Is that just, better? Yeah. <laughs> Is that much better? Just feels like I'm just sat listening to a, a wall. Uh, right, okay. Spouting lots of facts and exciting words. Well, I'm ex- I am excited. I, every so, like, I always come from the place that like dwarves are the best. Get big B to the best. Get high all the time, right? But the more I research the elves, like, I was super duper surprised how much I enjoyed the Vanyar. And again, with this, I'm super duper surprised by how much I've enjoyed researching the Teleri. Now, I don't think I'll change my mind on Feanor, so everyone can fuck off. There's people who fervently defend Feanor, and I've had conversations with it, but that's that's not for now. Let's get back to the language, shall we? So some of the law masters amongst the Teleri, they called themselves Glineal or Glinel, and it's a Sindar word, but I can only assume it just means like wise one, but it's only like Teleri sages and that who call themselves Glinil or Glinel. So I, I don't know what the fuck. Tolkien was going on about with that one. Then they get called sea elves, but that, yeah, yeah, that, I yeah. can go with that. Yeah. That's a good one. But that's, yeah. main, that, that's mainly for the ones who made it to Aman. I can remember that. Well, in Quenyan, the word sea elves is Vianelda, which just directly translates it's sea elf. Via, sea, Vian, sorry, sea, Eldar. Sea yeah, elf. you say it as if it's so straightforward and easy. It is. But I don't speak Elvish, so... Well, you will, I mean, like, you should at least have, like, a GCSE in it by the time we finish this. You're saying, oh, yeah, it just means C, Elf. Well, it's just when it, when you have it written down like that, you're like, oh, shit, yeah. So, you know Eldar, you know that the Eldar means Elf, right? You know Eldar, because we've talked about it in, like, every episode. Yeah, but it's just, why does there need to be so many different names? Because Tolkien was a philologist. That's why. And you know that. It's just driving me nuts. You keep sending me, like, um, what are they called? You keep sending me, like, genealogy maps (laughs) of all these names, and they just still don't go in. The thing is, I'm not absorbing this. You don't like my memes, and you don't like my genealogical charts. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to send you. Those are the two things. Those are my two exports. <laughs> they are specialties. Those are my exports. <laughs> All right, but um, so basically, um, when 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 you're talking about the Teleri, anything to do with ships or sea, it is essentially it's like basically their name. And I also I think I mentioned a few episodes ago that there was something to do with blue with the Teleri, and yeah, they, they are called the Blue Elves. Oh. So yeah, I, I know it's just one. I of the, wonder why, because sea's blue. Uh, no, because that's what the Smurfs are based on. <laughs> These elves are communists. 
No. In early Tolkien, so this is before, like, um, before the Silmarillion, or, or before, before Lord. Of, well, maybe not before Lord of the Rings, but when Tolkien was was constructing his like his fairy tales of of England, uh, and you know, back in like the Book of Lost Tales when uh, Valinor was. Uh, like the the fairy isle and that's where the the, the ship uh, the sailor Elfwine ended up but in those early early talking this group of elves were called the solo simpi which means the pipers of the shores that could either mean music or shagging <laughs> just the just like just like the when you're, you're like white women go on holiday by themselves to jamaica like looking out into the ocean at sunset Christopher, got, yeah, a big black lad called Dexter walking down the sand with his his open top, and he's like, "What you doing here, man?" Christopher, where you walking down the shores of Beleriand by yourself, girl? Let Dexter show you a good time. I'm a solo simpy. I'm a piper of the shores. <laughs> you thought a bit too much about this, really. That was just off the off the top. Should we get into some of the clans? The, the subgroups of Teleri elves because Teleri is a big group uh, really? yeah should we do a quick fire round uh, you'd, I won't expect you to remember this because we'll cover oh, it at the end oh lord first one Falmari these are the only Calaquendi which are part of the Teleri elves so Calaquendi remember the elves who saw the light of the trees that's what Calaquendi they're light elves right that's what it means okay of the Teleri the Falmari are the only ones who made it to a man and got to see the trees. The re- the next big group, massive and probably the biggest group of elves at, at, by the end of like the third age, it's the Sindar. And we've we've discussed this quite a few times. That rings a bell. It does, yeah. And this is just all of the ones who remained in Beleriand. And then Sindarin becomes the lingua franca for Elvish. Like Quenyan doesn't get really spoken anymore. No. Say that again. Is it the lingua franca? Is that where it means? It's where like the. I've never heard of that in my life. It's the it's the spoken language. It's the co- so like the lingua franca of the world at the moment is English, but in the Middle Ages the lingua franca was French, because it was spoken at like like courts and that in England. Ah. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm the people who were influential. It, the lingua franca just means like it's like the language of the time. Hmm. Lingua lingua franca. It's the bridge language. It's common language, trade language, blah, blah, blah. So, Sindarin, for elves, is the lingua franca. I'm going to try and add that into some of my sentences this week at work. Well, yeah, it's... Um, but, yeah, so French was it was French was ours in the Middle, Middle Ages. That's probably where the fucking term comes from. It's English now. Uh, Chinese, actually, might be considered the lingua franca of our world because a lot of business gets done in Mandarin now, doesn't it? Yeah. But we di- we digest... So, Sindar, biggest group, probably, of elves. And in the Sindar, there's subclans, which is the Iathrim, or Iathrim. And these just mean elves who lived in Doriath, directly ruled by Thingol and Melian. So whenever you hear Iathrim, it just means they were the direct subjects of King Thingol. It sounds like a infection. Yeah. But do you remember that? Do you remember when we did the Moriquendi? Where there was those elves under Denethor who eventually made it to Beleriand. Yeah. And you remember Thingol said, you can live in this bit, you can live here, you're welcome, but just live here in Osiriand. So they were were, uh, Nandor elves and eventually mingled with the Sindar, but they weren't ruled directly by Thingol, so they weren't Iathrim. Legolas's dad and Legolas's dad's dad were probably of the Eathrim, as you remember from the erotica that you read. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what erotica? Fun fact, uh, Legolas's granddad is called Orifa, which is Orifice. Cool. Or- you just... <laughs> then another clan of the Sindar. So Sindar is a sub-clan, and a sub-sub-clan is the Falathrim, and these are Kiadan the Shipwright's people. They lived on the shores of Beleriand. Then you've got the sad ones. This is the Mithrim. And these are the Sindar of the north of Beleriand. And these lads really suffered at the hands of Morgoth. Um, so there's a place called Hithlum, which is in the north of Beleriand. You don't need to know this too much, but for, for the law nerds. Which I hope is a lot of people. <laughs> but Hithlum is an area in the north of Beleriand where when Morgoth started kicking off like over the first age, like 
Hithlum was a war zone a lot of the time and so the elves who lived there got pretty fucked up and to, to the point where they lived in a place called Mithrim it was named after them so that, that's basically that's the clans of the Teleri that's the, the main ones you've got the Falmari and the Sindar so Those... what was the test? what do you mean? I thought there was a test no oh. I, no I asked you questions as, you, as we were going some of it rang a bell some of it didn't <laughs> Just, it is oh what God. it is. Right, okay. I can just relax now then. Hell yeah. So we, we did our episode on the Moriquendi, right? The Dark Elves. Who, yes. So, but, and we, do you remember in that episode we said that there was some called Twilight Elves who they didn't see the light of the trees, but because of Thingol, they were classed as like the Grey Elves, the Twilight Elves. So they weren't quite Moriquendi, but they weren't quite Calaquendi. And that's the who the like the ones who lived under Thingol were were Twilight Elves. And in the Silmarillion, Tolkien writes, which I think is a lovely line, saying that Melian shone with the light of Valinor, and that Melian was described as being like a mirror of Valinor unclouded, which I thought was just absolutely beautiful way of putting it. So like what they're seeing is it's a bit like Plato's cave. That by living so close to Thingol and Melian, you're seeing like a shadow of the trees, almost. So like you're seeing like a, a fragment of their light. And yeah, and then obviously there's the Nandor elves who are part of the Teleri, and we've covered these before. So if you want to know more, go back and listen to our Moriquendi episode. But there's the Lyquendi led by Denethor, who settled in Osiriand, and the Sylvan, the Wood Elves, the ones you'd find in Mirkwood and Lothlorien in the Third Age. And that that's like the big breakdown of, of the Teleri. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're all right with that so far? Um, I'm going to say yes, <laughs> but I can't remember any of the names. Well, you've covered most of them. Like, there's there's only really the Falmari. Oh, Chris, it's impossible. It's actually impossible. My brain is not capable of taking these weird and wonderful names in. I thought that for years. It, it does eventually come... And at this point, you would be surprised how much more you know about this stuff than you think. Like, you just you casually name-dropped Melkor when you were describing something a few minutes ago. Oh, so, no. So you know... I'm turning into a nerd. You know. Or, or the co-host of a... A, a talk nerd. The, the co-host of a talking podcast thinks she's turned into a bit of a nerd. What a fucking shock. Christopher, I'm a bottomless bruncher now. Oh, God. I just attend bottomless brunches. Yeah. Right, let's stay on track. From the beginning, the Teleri were known for being good with boats. And so the big, big, big source of my research for this episode has been The Nature of Middle-Earth, which is uh, Karl Hofstetter took together a load of Tolkien's manuscripts and like scribbled bits of paper and put them all together. And it's fucking invaluable in seeing... like because. It, he's, he's brought together the stuff where Tolkien has really hammered out like the science of Middle-earth and the nature, obviously. But it, that's the book where you discover how elves age, the how Tolkien... That's my jam, how, the real lifestyle. Yeah, and like how he considered it to, to work and that. And it, it's been dead surprising, but we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but right... The, so from the during the Great Journey and even like probably at Quivainen, like the, the Teleri were building paddle boats and rafts to traverse water. And then they, they needed the, they made them better when they needed to. So like there was points where they'd have to start crossing the Sea of Rune on the way from Quivain and to, to Beleriand, right? And Tolkien wrote that the Great Journey So we're gonna do a little aside here into elves as a whole and the great journey that they took. The Great Journey took a really long time because the elves in the beginning really 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 wanted to have kids and the Teleri most of all because of just how big they were so what they do is the great journey took 200 years which I didn't realise so they have to travel 2000 miles right and it took them 200 years because they would stop for 10 years or so at a time so they could have kids because like breeding was a legitimate reason the elves needed to stop so could you, could you imagine me and you on a road trip and I'm like pull over I need to come <laughs> No, I think it's more of pull over. This woman's gonna pop. <laughs> pull, up, pull into that lay by. 
<laughs> right, I'm trying to find. So, 2,000 miles. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Tolkien wrote that. And I will walk 2,000 miles. I'm not joking, right? It's 5,000 miles, isn't it? That song. But I've 500 just, miles. Oh, 500 miles. But s- people obviously search 2,000 miles and it says it's a song by the Pretenders. Well, so there is a... I didn't know that. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, I'm going to try and find the equivalent because I need to yeah, visualise yeah. this. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So while, while we're talking about that is... We'll talk about the elves. So when they first woke up at Quivainen, they obviously discovered Shaggin and wanted to do that a lot. And so each family in the first few generations had, on average, six kids. So each pairing of elves... Oh had six kids right and it was generally split evenly between boys and girls and Tolkien wrote that the first three generations of elves would generally have about six kids each then the following three generations the average number was five kids and then right up until the great march the average number from then on was four and he then goes on to state that in rough maths the journey takes 20 valiant years which is about 200 of our years, and they had to cross 200, uh, sorry, 2,000 miles. And of that, 1,450 miles was from Cuivainen to the Blue Mountains, and the Blue Mountains are the ones that are in Lord of the Rings, because Beleriand's gone, they're the ones at the eastern side of the map, like right at the east there. Can you see see where the ring is on our map? Mm. That's the Blue Mountains, that's er- the, we- uh, the west of Eriador. So from that to Cuivainen, back east that's 1450 miles because Beleriand I discovered is 550 miles wide from the Blue Mountains in the east to Eglarest which is on the coast in the west so Beleriand's 550 miles wide which is pretty chunky but nowhere near as big as Middle Earth well let's give you an example go on then okay so 2000 miles would be from Madrid to like the middle of Sweden. Oh shit. So yeah. Oh, oh okay, that's pretty fucking It's big, but I wouldn't say it's two hundred years no. of walking big. Ah wait. No, they they had to stop ten years at a time because once they had their kids, they had to wait until the kids were big enough to walk, like march. Not just walk, but like march. They had to wait for the kids to grow up enough and actually I don't think it was ten years, I think it might have been something like twenty four years. But they had to wait a long time. And we'll get onto the numbers because it's not just like the fellowship where it's Sam and Frodo and Gollum like walking a lord or it's not just nine people walking. And what was the size before? 1,400 something? From Quivainen to the west side of the Blue Mountains was 1,450 miles. Right. So the distance from the UK to Andorra is 1,475. Oh no. Ignore me. I'm getting lost. <laughs> 1,452 miles from the UK to Albania. Wow. So if there's any Albanian people listening, yeah, so like, me and Chris are going to start walking now. Yeah, we'll see you in 200 years. <laughs> We're not pulling over to come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's baffling, but what it, it proper fascinated me, like the numbers. Because, again, it's you're moving a whole population. It's not just a group of people travelling. And Tolkien goes into great detail about, like, um, they had to stop and, like, cure furs and repair wagons and do all kinds of shit, right? So in The Nature of Middle-Earth, Tolkien says that there was 15,000 elves by the time the Great Journey started. However, 5,000 of them stayed behind. So 5,000 of them were the Avari. Yeah. And 10,000 elves marched. And as they were going, they were growing in number. And we'll come on to it in a second. But when they reached Greenwood the Great, which obviously would become Mirkwood, a lot, back then it had it still had like a lot of lurking evils. And Tolkien said that this might have been Sauron already settling oh. in the forest. Ooh. So the elves would stop here and they were afraid until Oromir came back drove the beasts away or the monsters or whatever and encouraged the elves on and Tolkien says that the population dipped here because some elves were lost and then they kept going and the population of the marches grew and at one point Tolkien says there was 22,000 elves 
which is interesting is because it, it also says that around this time Oromir showed the elves how to harvest grain like sow and harvest grain and at one point they stopped for three years just doing crops but this was before the sun as well though so it was weird that like I was looking like can grain grow under starlight like also um, what was the purpose so in terms of the only thing I know that elves eat is lembas bread. No. Do they eat grain? Some like things made with grain. Is no, lembas no. bread made with grain? No, no. Lembas bread is special. Lembas bread is a royal gift, and that's why it's so important. Why when Galadriel gives it, because it's only it's only like something the queen, a queen of elves, can make. Right. So I'm mel- just not aware of their eating habits. Um, a lot of them eat like they, they eat like meat and veg, like same shit as us. Like they'd have feasts and that. So in the Hobbit, when they're stuck in Mirkwood, they interrupt Thranduil's feast three times until it, like it eventually chucks him in prison because they, they keep wandering into his feast. So they would be harvesting grain to eat and not necessarily harvesting it to sell. Or who the fuck were going to sell it to? They were the only ones alive. I don't know. No, there was no one else. Yes. Maybe dwarves. It was literally just them. It's just el- elves were the first children of Iluvatar. Yeah, so it was just them. Even the dwar- at this stage? Yeah, the dwarves, well, the dwarves were awake for about an hour, but they had to, it was later. Unfortunately, the awakening of the dwarves isn't mentioned until much later on when, when Durin like, wakes and walks alone. Right, so they're growing grain for themselves. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're eating. So this is the point, this is where we, we start thinking about the elves as a population. It's a population of people, like, they have clothes they've got to make and maintain. So, like, they're learning how to sew. They're learning all this shit. So they, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So they're moving an entire population of people. And that, I can understand, is a, mig- a proper migration. And this is the level Tolkien goes into it when he talks about this is the migration of a people. And the elves were in love with the world as well, so they wanted to stop everywhere. Like, they, they would stop for years at a time. And it was only the amb- oh pretty sunset. And it was only yeah, it was only the ambassadors who'd been to Valinor already. The three three people trying to encourage at one point twenty two thousand elves, saying we just fucking hurry up, Jesus Christ. Well, not Jesus, Eru fucking Christ, hurry up. Blaspheme. Hi. So the reason I mentioned Greenwood or what would later become Mirkwood is that on the Great Journey. The Noldor and the Vanyar went straight through the forest. They were like, YOLO, see you later, bitch. But a lot of the Teleri were afraid. They, they got afraid. So what they did is a lot of them went south and came around the south end of the forest, which you'll be able to see on our map there. But what's important about this is that by the time they came round, the Vanyar and the Noldor had settled on the other side in the Vales of Duanduin for a bit, which is a very beautiful place where all the elves wanted to stop. So it wasn't just the it wasn't just the Teleri who lagged behind; it's just they lagged behind the most. But then they delayed things even further because just by the time like the Noldor and Vanyar would be ready to move on, the Teleri come round, see the Vales of Anduin, and like, oh shit, this is really fucking nice. We should live here. And at one point, the elves say. Let Oromir protect us and let us live here. This is where elves should live, between the wood and the water. But then, Tolkien says that their population dips because the following few years have very hard winters. And there's speculation that Oromir lets this happen in order to encourage them to move on, which is pretty fucking hardcore. So, like, elves elves die. Yeah, but elves die on this great journey. And by the time, uh, and also, I want to give a shout out to myself for that meme I made about herding cats, because that's exactly how it reads, is that Oromir is just having to come back every few years and be like, get out the fucking river, you dipshit, come on, what do you mean you won't go over the mountains, like, have you ever tried to take, like, uh, well, have you ever seen those videos, like, people trying to take a cat and it's just got its paws out? Yeah. And like cracked onto something, it won't, it won't, or get a cat in a bath, and it's just got its claws out and paws out, and it just won't go anywhere. Or trying to get a sock out of a dog's mouth. Yeah, and they're just like, no, no. no. But, so I mentioned 10,000 set out, 22,000 at one point, it dips from 25 to 22 because elves die. But by the time the majority of the elves reach the coast of Beleriand, there is 30,000 elves. 
and that blew my fucking mind. That's a lot of shagging. That, yeah, that it, yeah, like the population tripled, and that's not to count the that's not to count the Nandor, who turned back, which would be a, a lot of the Teleri, and the five thousand Avari, which by one point would they'd have started multiplying by themselves. So it's just thirty thousand elves that want to go to Aman, which is just like. <clears throat> And and that's why this episode very nearly became the Great Journey, because Tolkien had wrote so much about the geography of it, and I was like starting to look into the geography of migrations and like the logistics and stuff like that because it was absolutely fascinating. And maybe we'll do one in future, but I wanted to, to I had to force myself back to the Teleri. So we're in Beleriand. All the Teleri are in Beleriand, right? Let's say. Bye bye, fuck you, the Noldor and the Vanya for now. They're, they're, they're out of the story for a bit, right? We're just talking about the Teleri. Elway, the lead, one of the leaders of the Teleri, goes for a walk one day, right? Walks <laughs> in the forest of Nan Elmoth. And he comes across this woman. This beautiful woman. It's Melian the Maya. And they stand and they stare at each other. And they put an enchantment upon themselves where they continue staring and standing. And that's the last any of that's the last anyone sees of Elway for the next two hundred years. He's not just stood there staring they for two hundred years. They are just stood staring. It's an enchant. They put this and they're enchanted by each other, like literal proper enchantment. Like love. Yeah, but like magic, or beauty. magic love as well. Yeah, but yeah, so that they are there for two hundred years. And we've got to remember that Elway was a leader of one half of the Teleri. So, so they're just going around doing well, whatever they want. Well, yeah, he, has, he, has, he has followers, right? And these followers are his relatives and, and people who are loyal to him. And they don't want to abandon him. So Ulmo has put a call out at the coast, like the ferry's leaving. Ulmo's got, he's brought an entire island over to the coast of Beleriand. And they're like, we can't leave our... So yeah, a lot of the Teleri elves... Relative. A lot of the Teleri elves are lagging behind anyway. But the Vanya and the Noldor, they're on the first trip over, so they're like, alright, bye. And then the Teleri get to the coast too late. And But apart from that, some of them didn't even get to the coast yet, because they spend all their time looking for Elway, because they don't want to abandon him. And these elves who don't want to abandon him eventually forsake the Great Journey. They say, if we can't find him, we're not going. We know he's not dead. That's really loyal. And these elves became known as the Eglath. Why do they need to have a new name, though? Because it's a fictional history. And these, these Eglath elves, don't worry, they don't keep the name for too long, eventually become the Sindar. But for now, they're called the Eglath. And, again, because these laggers lag, by the, one, by the time the ones who didn't stop to look for Elway get to the coast, they've missed the first trip. So they have to, they've got no choice but to settle on the coast for a while and wait nice. for the island to come back. They know it's going to come back, but they're impatient. So they start learning how to build ships now just to pass the time. And they make friends with a Maya called Ose. And Ose teaches them all about the sea, teaches them how to build ships, and he teaches them sea music. Hopefully it's shanties. I, I hope it's shanties because I like mm-hmm. shanties. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. let's take another detail and talk about Ose. What, do you know anything about Ossie? I don't think we've talked about him before, have we? Of course I don't know anything about him. So he is the Maya who's responsible for the coastal waters of middle This sounds like my kind of Maya. He, he's responsible for the coastal waters and prefers them over the, the deep sea. Like, Ulmo prefers the deep waters. Ossie, Makes sense. Ossie is very much coastal waters. And Ossie is fascinating for one particular reason. He is... The only Maya that's been corrupted by Melkor and then brought back to the side of good by his wife, Wainan. Aww. And I, yeah, so like he's still got a little twinge of darkness and violence in him, and that's where the coastal storms come from. But he likes rock pooling on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> but he was brought back to like he was brought back to the to the side of good by his wife. Um and it's said that only his wife can restrain him when he starts like getting like antsy and causing storms and he is a friend to all sailors everyone who sails the coastal waters is his friend but they don't fully trust him because he's unpredictable 
never identified so much with a couple in my life. <laughs> and he is the one that the sailors would plead with to calm down. So if there's a storm while they're out in the coastal waters, they'd be like, oh, sir, please calm down, mate. Sorry, please. Chill your beans. Chill out. And they'd be like, wait in, please come and fucking la- reel your man in. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ossie, uh, again, he was a good friend to the Teleri and he kept him company. And when the ferry of Tol Erisea, so that's what the, is- the island where Bilbo and that go live, Tol Erisea comes back, most of them agree and jump straight on. They're like, okay, bye. And these become the Falmari. The, the, the ones who make it to Aman, right? These, yeah. these become the elves who make it there. And Olway is one of them. He's their king. He takes most of his people. However, predictably, with the fucking Teleri who love any excuse to stop and get off, they stayed because Ossie had become their friend and he wanted them to stay with him. So a lot of the Teleri didn't get on the ferry and stayed. Those are the people that hold up the cruise ship. Yeah. They're the ones running to the cruise ship yeah. because they've tried to soak up as much of the local culture in eight hours as they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they said like, oh, we're all right. And so, Olway and his band, a lot of the Teleri, they become the Falmari. They sail away on the island, on the, on the island Toler say they go to a man. Nothing bad ever happens to them again, ever. They live 100% a happy life. And no, I'm not lying and foreshadowing something utterly fucking horrific and tragic. At all. All way in his gang are fine. They're absolutely fine. <laughs> you look so much like Smithy. <laughs> James Corden. Oh my God. We spoke about James Corden last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. <gasps> But right, let's let's keep on track. So these elves who wanted to stay behind, the Teleri who wanted to stay on the coast, they became known as the Falathrim, which it, the, the, they're they're the coastal ones, right? Yeah. And their leader was an elf called Norway, because Ulmo said, "Jump on the ferry, I've got some sweets," and he said, "Norway." <laughs> no, I know that's such a bad joke. No way. No way. No. Uh, Norway is is the name for an elf you would already know. It's Kierdan the shipwright. Oh, right. That's okay. His, that's his name. It's his Quenyan name. Is Norway. So he and he is related to Olway and Elway, but I'm not entirely sure how he's related. I just know that he's related to them enough that he was one of the ones who stayed and looked for Elway when he went missing. Okay. And. What is interesting is that Kierdan wanted to go to Aman more than anything. It was his heart's desire, but it was out of loyalty that he stayed to look for Elway. And by the time he got to the shore, the island had gone for the second time. And so he, he became lord of the ones who'd stayed behind voluntarily. He became lord of the Falathrim. And the Falathrim is a Sindarin term just for coast people. Just, just That's all it means. And Kierdan himself, we'll, we'll talk a bit about him now, because he was the best of the shipbuilders. And much later on, in Lord of the Rings, he would be responsible for the Grey Havens. Do you know at the end of the films, when they all get on the ships and go? And Frodo gets led on by Gandalf, and they go with Bilbo, and everyone's crying, I start crying. So he's there? Kierdan's there, yeah. K- Never noticed him. I'm, I, think, I think he's in the film, yeah. But um, no, he's he's responsible for those ships, and he is the I think he's the last elf who's not a Nandor or a Navari to leave Middle Earth, and he he woke at Quivainen, and for all that time he was the last elf Jeez. to leave. That sounds. I mean, kudos to him, but well, I'll tell you for why. I'd as well. be gone straight away. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. But um, he, fun fact, he's the only one of two elves to known to have a beard. Because he's that old. And the other one is Matan, who taught Feanor how to smith. But the reason Kierdan didn't go, as I've mentioned, is that he was looking for Elway longer and, and harder, basically, than most other people, because he loved him. And he arrived too late. But Kierdan might have followed them, because remember, he was a really good shipbuilder. Mm. And so he, shouted, he, he, stood on the, he stood on the sand 
looking at the sea and he shouted to everyone so everyone can hear I will because Tolerasea makes a, um, a like it makes a flash as it disappears over the horizon and Kiedan declares I will follow that light alone if none will come with me for the ship that I have been building is almost ready but then he gets a message in his heart from the Valar and it speaks as if it's with his own voice and says the message says abide now that for when it comes then your work will be of utmost worth and it will be remembered in song for many ages after and so Kierdan might was a bit confused but he says I, I obey and then he's granted a vision and this vision is of a white ship that went through the air westwards and as it dwindled in the distance this ship shines like a star and it's so bright that even though it's a vision it casts a shadow of Kierdan where he stands on the beach and that vision was of a ship you'll have heard of called the Vingalot which is a ship that Erendil the mariner built because Erendil was an apprentice of Kierdan and with Kierdan's advice he builds this ship which is the ship that eventually at the end of the first age this allows uh, Erendil to sail to Valinor the first ship to ever be able to allow ah, to sail yeah, there yeah? I remember and it's the ship that remember gets raised into the sky as a mm. star and he comes back and he kills Ancalagon the Black with it yeah and it leads to the downfall of Morgoth so Círdan did have a very big part to play and then it's said that after that Círdan was then granted um basically foresight he he was able to <laughs> he, he was the mo- apart from the wizards pretty much Círdan was one of the most gifted people in middle earth for foresight well it looks rather sexy on yeah. some fan art it does yeah. and then in other fan art he seems to look like a really haggard old man well it depends um, when you catch him like first age versus fourth age so I'm mm. gonna go for the sexy version mm. he's got a very square jaw sexy kid then mm. from carrying all that lumber oof <laughs> getting a bit hot under the collar <laughs> I'm getting a bit moist <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, it said that Círdan is is better at telling the future than anybody, apart from the wizards. So that when Gandalf comes over in the Third Age, Círdan can see, basically, how important Gandalf's going to be. And so he surrenders the his ring of power, Naya, to Gandalf and not to Saruman. And he saw that it would be needed by Gandalf in the years to come. Círdan himself plays a part in all the major events of the world up until the 4th. Like, he, he builds ships for the elves to leave Middle-earth for, and he was a passenger on the last one I've ever mentioned. Despite what um, how it sounds, this isn't an episode about Círdan, but it, it needs to, because there's just far too much to go into that he was involved in. Like, he was responsible for bringing Gil-galad, the, the king of the elves, safely when he was, like, he fostered him. You know, like, it, it, he was... Um, so you're saying you're a big fan? I, I like Kierdan, yeah. Like he's, he's a fucking great ship, right? Like the, he just he's involved in so much. But you know, back to the end of the great journey, right? So Kierdan stands on the shores of the sea and realizes, like, this is my home now, Beleriand, Middle Earth. I'm I'm here now, and so he does what he does best. Just gets better at building ships, and that's his life. He becomes Lord of the Falathrim. And what's interesting is that the Falathrim are kind of a people unto themselves, because. As we mentioned, around 200 years later, Elway and Melian come to their senses in the forest. And then they get married, and Elway is now called Thingol, who we know him as. He reunites the Eglath, who had stayed behind to look for him. And Círdan's people remain remain separate, but they accept Thingol as the High King of Beleriand. And these two people together become collectively known as the Sindar. The Iathrim and the Fal- uh, Falathrim are collectively known as the Sindar. And then later, 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 they're all joined by Denethor's lot, the Nandor, who eventually found their way into Beleriand. And Thingol's kingdom is very much entwined in the history of the First Age. And as I mentioned, that's where Orifer lived, whose son was Thranduil, 
whose son was Legolas, who played a part in the Fellowship. And then also, I might have done a cheeky little light here, because Olway, some some bad shit's going to happen to them. Even though they're in Aman, their story isn't finished yet, and it's not nice. But, we're going to do that next week, because this is the first time we're doing a two-parter episode <gasps> that's not drunk talk Jeez. movies but i two part we're doing a two-parter and a twofer a twofer and i thought it was um hilariously ironic that the teleri were so big they had to be ruled by two kings that their history is so big we have to do it in two parts so i thought there was a nice little parallel there just gonna say not a fan of the elves why? Well, I mean... Too many names. I'm hoping, like, hobbits, dwarves, all them lot. I mean, dwarves, they've obviously got the um, black beard, all that. Like, they are very relevant names, but all these elves with all the elvish names and... Oh, it's just too much. It is too much for my... There, there is little a, squirrel brain there is a lot of names right and and i will say it took me years but you are miles ahead of when i've been learning this but i'm gonna ask a question go on when you've had a drink can you remember all these because i am pretty tipsy right now and i couldn't tell you I can, many names i can remember them but i just tend to go on an autistic rant so it's it's probably not best to maybe we'll try it maybe we'll we'll just get wrecked well we we do do drunk talk episodes obviously but we've never done a drunk talk episode and talked about elves now that might be a bit of a challenge i do remember in the no one would want to listen to that no when we first started out i messed up some um i think i got finn golfing and finrod mixed up Something stupid like that. And Finderagebral and Findergolorin and then Findertrin and then. I just think it's amazing though that one of the the lines of elves do survive up until like our age now. It was Finder of the crispy pancakes. Ah, I've heard of him before. <laughs> oh, my jokes are getting worse. Right, I think that's enough brain busting for everybody. So I'll let you finish your bottle. You've finished a whole bottle of wine while recording this. Oh my god. I know, I can't wait to go to sleep. <laughs> In about fucking five minutes. I, this is going to knock me out and I'm excited. Well, I've still got to edit this episode. So. Right, we're going to end it there, so I'm going to say goodbye from me, Chris. No! Does it really have to end now? It does, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it next Do week. Do you not have a fun fact? Nothing? I'm all funned out, to be honest. I couldn't even bring myself to read any smut. No snog, marry, avoid, or... No, no, I, I couldn't... Fuck, marry, kill. I, I couldn't bring myself to, to look at any of it. I was just too exhausted from fucking doing the elves, like... Is there anything exciting you've done this week? Been running a lot. <laughs> you went to the beach. I did, I went to the beach, but I didn't feel like a, a Teleri elf. I didn't feel like that at all. We had donuts. Oh, we did, that was lovely. Yeah. We had fish and chips. We did. We did. We were thoroughly British. We were. We were very British. Actually. We played on slot machines. Yeah. Toopers. Hi. But no, this is just the, the shit talk at the end of the episode. So I'm going to say good night from me, Chris. And good night for Rebecca. Bye. Bye.